0: People still remember what Boston and the New England states did for Nova Scotia and how many lives they saved. We're all taught that in school. It's just something for me to be able to bring that tree down and be a part of this. So, pretty proud to be able to do it. Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Welcome to Canusa Street. A podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Welcome back to Canusa Street Holiday Edition, everyone. I'm Scotty Greenwood with the Canadian American Business Council. I'm joined by my elf, Chris Sands. Thanks, Scotty. So so this is a fun one. You know, we we deal with some some challenging issues and difficult issues on Canusa Street, but uh you know, it's the holidays and I am so thrilled that we get to tell a story that has historic significance. It's relevant to Christmas time. And uh, our guest is just spectacular. And Chris, you'll introduce him properly, but we're gonna tell we're gonna tell a Christmas story here that has Canada-U.S. meaning. So, with that, Chris, why don't you introduce our guest, and we'll get right into it?
0: Sure, Scotty. We're really excited to have Ryan Woods, uh, who's the commissioner of Parks and Recreation uh, in the great city of Boston. He's been a veteran of the department serving there since 2007. And as commissioner, he oversees more than 2,600 acres of neighborhood parks, playgrounds, tot lots, athletic facilities, city squares, and urban wilds, as well as the city of Boston's inventory of public street trees. They also have uh, jurisdiction for some cemeteries, but we aren't going to talk about those today. Um, he, the commissioner is a graduate of St. Michael's College. And he has a master's degree in public administration from Suffolk University, a uh, lifelong resident of Dorchester. So uh, welcome, Commissioner.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's one of my favorite topics, our favorite uh, season for sure, and our favorite event that we do all year round. So.
1: We want to talk about the tradition of the people of Nova Scotia giving the people of Massachusetts a beautiful Christmas tree every year. And I, And can you just kind of walk us through what that's about and you know, the, the whole story and kind of your role
2: in it. Um, so I've been fortunate to be at the department um, officially in 2007, but every year through high school and college, I worked for the department as well. So I've been involved with the Boston Christmas tree lighting since 2005. So this was my 17th year uh, being involved with it. And when it started in 2005, I just thought these nice people from Canada, from the province of Nova Scotia, gave us a beautiful 50-foot Christmas tree every year. And then as the years went on and we started telling the story, I learned all about the Emo and the Mont Blanc and the two ships and vessels that collided in Halifax Harbor and created this tragic um, explosion where over 1,700 lives were lost and 9,000 people were injured in 1917. And from that, the good people of Boston uh, came down with some goodwill, with some medical supplies and doctors on a train that they went through a blizzard in order to get to Halifax to help out in the best way they can. And the people of Halifax really have never forgotten. So in 1918, they gave the city of Boston a Christmas tree as you know, as their gift, as a gift of thanks. And then um, the tradition kind of stopped after that year. And in 1971, the Christmas tree uh, farmers uh, came up with the idea of let's start that tradition again. So for the past 50 years, this was the 50th year since 1971, we have gotten the official Christmas tree from Nova Scotia uh, for the city of Boston.
1: I love it. And can you, Chris, I promise I'll let you get a word in (laughs) (laughs) twice, but I'm so excited. (laughs) Let me ask one more question. Um, Commissioner, tell us about this year because Chris and I were lucky enough to um, see the premier of Nova Scotia. He, I think, helped to deliver or at least light the Nova Scotia also gives a Christmas tree to Washington, D.C., that's, that's at the Canadian embassy, and it's beautiful. And we talked to him the day he lit the tree, and then the next day he was headed to Boston. So set the scene for us. What is it like, and what is it like just physically getting the tree there? What are, what are the logistics of all that?
2: I don't want to misquote the premier either, but he did tell me that um, the Boston one was even more elaborate and better than his one at the Capitol. So for what it's worth. Classic. We start working on this every year, probably in uh, June or July, and the office of natural resources in the province of nova scotia researches all year round for a few trees as options to propose to boston which works and i think they pick on a certain criteria such as size we want something between 45 and 50 feet um usually looking for a spruce tree and it has to be close enough to a roadway just so access points and able to cut the tree down and have some sort of a send-off ceremony so trying to find something that's easily accessible and meets the criteria and has the perfect symmetry is what we look for every year. So um, in June or July, we usually get a few options to look for. I and mean, we were so excited this year that the organization, I think it's Larch or Archie I, I don't know the exact pronunciation, but uh, is an organization that works with people with disabilities. And that's where the tree came from their property this year. So very excited to have that fanfare. And then on a normal year, meaning not last year or this year, it gets driven down on about a 12-hour ride, uh, passing through the border, hitting all the stops, stopping in Maine, and coming up straight down to Boston Common. The past two years, um, it's come over on Container Ship. So the tree is cut down. It is towed all the way to, um, I don't know where it sends docks off in Nova Scotia, but ends up in Portland, Maine. Uh, and we then pick it up from Portland, Maine on a flatbed truck, and is driven to the city of Boston, and last year, they couldn't cross the border um, with all the COVID protections in place, and it worked out so well, we decided to do it again this year. Um, this year, there were some delays with the container ship coming from Scotland, where it was previously to coming to Nova Scotia, so it's very hard to hit the target of which couple days it would be coming in, so some logistical challenges, but um, each year, like I said, it comes over. Once it got on the container ship, it comes right into the Boston Common, is met with some fanfare in the past. We've had town criers there. We usually have Santa Claus meeting it and just do an official ceremony to read the story and say, Yes, this might be an official gift of a Christmas tree from the people of Nova Scotia to Boston, but it's more than just a tree. It's showing the how important friendship is, it's showing goodwill it's showing the need to help people, especially in the holiday season or during a pandemic or whatever the time may be. There's more to this than just a physical tree.
0: Well, uh, Commissioner, I know that uh, a, a quite a few Canadians from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, so on, really root for the sports teams you have in Boston, uh, from the Red Sox to the, to the Bruins. Can you talk a little bit about how, other than the tree, there's a connection between Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada and, and the city of Boston?
2: I think people are so excited. We've done things over the years uh, working with communications Nova Scotia, where they've come to Boston and done ancestry tents where people can check their ancestry and find the connections they have. And adding that um, fast-moving vessel that they have, I believe, out of Maine every year that goes back and forth to Nova Scotia, getting Boston to know how easy it is to get to Nova Scotia and see how much Nova Scotia has to offer. There's been a lot of emphasis put in uh, over the years to that. It also helps that one of the Bruins stars, Brad Marchand, is from Nova Scotia. And this year, um, he was out on COVID leave or some sort of leave at the time of the tree lighting. So he did a video to introduce Tim Houston on stage. So oh, Tim was actually introduced by Brad Marchand through a video package um, saying that uh, it's so great to finally have a from Nova Scotia, who's a huge fan of the Bruins. So just showing that connection. But to your point, between sports teams and having all this ancestry connections, and every year when we talk about the tree and do the social media hype around the tree, everybody talking about their sister, their aunt, their cousins, their grandparents that all came and all the close connections and ties they have. People asking us if they can always take a clipping off the tree when it's being cut down for the year or taking off a piece of the bark just because they want to keep it. Really keeping that tradition alive and showing that we really do have deep roots together.
0: That's, that's terrific and, and very meaningful. I, I want to ask you a little bit about the time of COVID. I mean, working in parks and recreation, that, Those open public spaces and, you know, seeing the tree lighting uh, as an example are kind of ways we can gather now. I know we have to be COVID safe, but to what extent do you think these kinds of symbolic gestures, but especially just the kind of use of parks outdoors is keeping the city of Boston and and the people of Boston going uh, during this uh, seemingly endless pandemic?
2: The one thing that I talk about a lot now is how the pandemic has finally showed some of our elected officials and our administration the important role that parks and open space plays in people's lives. Mm -hmm. We're now seeing additional funding going into parks because for the past two years, the one place people felt safe to go and welcome to go is out in the outdoors. Whether it's doing the walking loops, trying to have exercise classes outside. We've been trying to ramp up our programming as well. Whether it's We have a, a program called Picks in the Park where we try to teach photography. And Might be some of the basics. Make sure the sun's behind you, not in front of you, or working on texture and shadow one week. Do it, providing um, watercolor paints like you get in first or second grade and giving people (laughs) canvases out there and say, we'll bring the supplies. Come enjoy your local park and we'll do some program activity. So trying to get people more excited. But the one thing we have learned about the pandemic is how many times people flock to the parks. It's a place for not just respite and recreation, but also a place of relaxation, a place of comfort. The one place everybody was welcome to go. You might not have felt comfortable going to a building, but you certainly felt welcome going to a neighborhood park. So, um, and then being able to have these large scale events back in 2020 when we had the tree lighting, we did a virtual version with everything pre recorded, just wasn't the same. And this year, we think we had our biggest audience by far. So, you know, over 20,000 people out on site, you know, for a kind of drizzly evening that night. Um, to see the fireworks go off, to see the confetti, to see the tree lit, have the voices, just to have that sense of being together again and seeing life more as normal. So we were one of the uh, largest scale events that could come together and and show that in Boston. And you weren't in an arena where you were sitting right next to people. You could spread out and, you know, keep the safety measures in place. But just hearing from people how excited they were to be back, to be back outside and to really kick off the holiday season.
1: You know, Commissioner... I, I love that story so much. The only thing that could be, make it any better for me is if if it had if the tree had come on like a horse drawn carriage or something. <laughs> if you so if you could organize that for next year, pick it up in Maine at the at the port and then bring it down. You know, there's one. We'll just kind of wrap with this. There's there's one Canadian that I know was especially excited. The Canadian Consul General Roger Kuzner. He mm. uh, I know works closely with you uh, and the celebration. He also is a a pretty good hockey player and a hockey coach himself so i'm sure he loved uh the introduction uh, but uh, but one i want to give you a compliment because Roger Cusner and i were together in boston earlier in the year and i had never been to boston during something that's known as the Head of the Charles, which I'm sure you know quite well, but it is one of the world's most fabulous regattas. And I've got a, I've got a kid that is now a rower, and rowers from around the world come to Boston every year in the fall. And Roger Kuzner and I uh, were supposed to have a business meeting, and he ended up driving me around the city so I could find my kid's team because they were out of Gatorade. <laughs> so I, wanna, I wonder if you could just kind of talk for a minute about in the scheme of things, you know, there's the Boston Marathon, there's the Head of the Charles, there's this Christmas tree lighting, the sense of community in Boston, and maybe the role that this Christmas tree plays in the community. And, uh, and then we'll give you the last word.
2: Sure. I, I think people were excited, whether it be a Red Sox game or Patriots game, where people could finally get back this year to be outside and have some of those annuals back. Although there are some restrictions, people were really excited to get together again, you know, just sitting at home or being on Zooms constantly all day, just that human interaction of being back together to celebrate something. We're all different, but we all love the Red Sox, or we all love the Bruins, or we all love rowing in the regatta being outdoors. Just to share a common theme of something we all love and despite our differences and where we stand with vaccines or not vaccines or politics or whatever, that we all can come together for whatever our common core goal is or our common liking at that time to get together. It was really important. It was just a really depressing, like 18 months or so for us when we were really on pretty much lockdown and everybody was working from home and just overwhelmed by Zoom meetings. So to get out, to have these large scale events, especially outdoors when you can feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, you can distance yourself appropriately so you can make yourself feel safer just so we can all be together. That's one thing I heard. and, And everybody loves the holiday season and really trying to message that. What is the holidays about? And it is about goodwill. It is about helping, it's about giving, it's about friendship, it's about love and trying to capture all that in one large event. Usually we have three to 350 uh, members of a Nova Scotian delegation come down. This year it was around a hundred, which was still great. Um, Just to share the tradition with us, talk with us. There's meetings beforehand. Really, just to make sure the connections are in place. So it's really important to have these outdoor, large-scale events. And like I said, I'm biased. The holiday tree lighting is my favorite by far, um, and something I've had the pleasure of working on for the past 17 years. And as long as they'll have me in this job, I hope to continue doing it.
1: Well, and if they have, if they have you in the job, Chris and I would love to come up and bring the podcast live next year when you're lighting. So um, I just made a note
2: that you want to ride
0: on the horse for the tree arrival.
1: That's right. You got it. You got it. Chris, over to you, my friend.
0: Uh, just one question, and I, I hate to even brush into anything political, but I know a lot, a lot of times in the holiday season, people say, well, the Christmas tree and Christmas, very much a Christian holiday, and Boston, like, like Canada, really, it very, has a lot of faith traditions, has a lot of uh, a different ways of celebrating this sort of year-end period. How do you dress that uh, sort of diversity within something which is a symbol uh, in some ways part of the Christmas tradition as opposed to other things? But how do you make that feel inclusive for all of Bostonians so that they they really feel that they can get behind it?
2: So the, the program that's live on television is called Holiday Lights, because mm-hmm. as we do light Boston's official Christmas tree, which is the the 48 foot spruce this year that came from Nova Scotia, we also have a menorah on um that is on the uh, common as well, and we light sixty perimeter trees, every building, the frog pond, skating rink. So when we flip the switch to light it, it does light Boston's official tree, but it also lights all the holiday trees, the menorah this year. For once, the um, the Jewish holiday actually uh, coincided the same week as the tree lighting, so we were able to have um, at sundown around four thirty that evening. Uh, it was the lighting of the second candle, I believe, that night uh, or so of. Um, Of Hanukkah. And then we're able to, an hour later, celebrate the lighting of the official Christmas tree and all of the perimeter trees. So it's really lighting up for the holiday season. We like to call it holiday lights. I think I'm very safe. If you'll notice on a lot of our packaging, we just call it Boston's official tree lighting. We don't use the word holiday, we don't use the word Christmas. It's just to say it's the tree lighting, but uh, it is a tradition where we light the official tree. However, everything gets lit the same night. The Boston Common, the Public Garden, and Commonwealth Mall all come glow and lights at the one flip of the switch.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Very, very nice. Well, I, I want to I say thank you. I'm jumping ahead of Scotty because she's going to say thank you too, but it's been great having you on the program. And one of the things we try to do with Canusa Street is really celebrate the connections between Canadians and Americans. And there are traditions like this that really take that friendship we, stud- we study at the university or that we think about and make it real for people, make it tangible. That symbolism is really important. And I really appreciate you coming on our show and sharing uh, not only what happens, where it came from, but also what it means to the people of Boston. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. I got to say too, I feel so welcomed. Um, On three different occasions, the last two years, I wasn't able to go with the restrictions in place, but I was able to come to the cutting ceremony. I was able to come to Nova Scotia and feel that sense of welcoming and how people were so interested. We stayed after for about an hour, just so people could hear my accent (laughs) (laughs) also, but also um, you know, talk about the tradition and what it means and talking with these tree donors about the significance they've had this tree on their property for 60 or 70 years and how it's an honor for them to continue this tradition and give this, this isn't just coming from a Christmas tree grower. This is coming from somebody's personal property. And they're giving this to Boston and they come down and to see it and just to see how excited they get when they see 7,000 lights draped around the tree and the uh, pyrotechnics go off and then all of a sudden they do the confetti snow everywhere just to hear how magical it was and how honored they were. Like I did a favor for them when in fact it was them giving us our official tree.
1: I love this so much and, you know, speaking of relationships and favors, we're, we, we made the relationship with you through our mutual friend, Catherine Burton. So we're delighted that she uh, made the connection for us. I know that the US Secretary of Labor, uh, Secretary Marty Walsh is a former mayor of Boston. Uh, So there are a lot of kind of Massachusetts, New England states, Maritimes connections, uh, in this Canada-U.S. relationship. So, um, Commissioner, we're really, I don't know how you got your chainsaw across the border for the cutting, but we'll, we'll talk about that next year. And, uh, and uh, thank you so much. We hope you and, and your family uh, and everybody have a wonderful Merry Christmas and that you say stay, stay safe. Um, and we look forward to, to more chats with you in the future.
2: Thank you, Scotty. Thanks, Chris. We look forward. We'll love to have you next year front row maybe behind Katherine Burton, but we'll figure it there out you we'll go. Make sure <laughs> you're right there in the crowd.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well Chris, I love that conversation. I love the commissioner's enthusiasm for the celebration and also the deeper meaning of it. I think, you know, just It's just exactly what we need right now.
0: I agree. And it's nice to connect with these traditions. Canada-US relations have a lot of ups and downs, but it's these kind of traditions that keep the friendship going and are a reminder that we didn't just become friends. We've been friends for a long time. That story of Bostonians helping out Halifax uh, in its time of need in the middle, we should remember, 1917, in the middle of a war, a world first world war, it was n- no joke. And they really stepped up. And I think that's that's shows what's best about the US and the fact that that Nova Scotians all this time still remember that and cherish it and send a tree says the best things about Canadians. It's it's really a great story.
1: It really is. And you know, you and the commissioner both talked about goodwill, and I will just do a little plug, Chris. Uh, (laughs) Canadian American Business Council has a book that we publish celebrating uh, Canada-U.S. relations, and we have photographs and speeches from presidents and prime ministers. It's called With Faith and Goodwill. And that quote comes from Winston Churchill, who was talking about the Canada-U.S. relationship, and he he said that it's a border guarded only by neighborly obligations and faith and goodwill. So um, it, goodwill is something that is in in need always. And in the holiday season, we think about it, but also that faith and goodwill book, Chris, we're doing a second Mm -hmm. edition and it's coming out in the new year. So here's my little plug. Let's get the editors of that book on a future Canoosa street and let's dive deep into the faith and goodwill uh, between our two countries. Let's let, let that be one of our new year's resolutions for, for uh, 2022. What do you think?
0: I think it's great. You had me at goodwill, but I'll make it a, a, a respect for mutual obligations as well. I will. I will be obliged.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, listen. Have a wonderful Christmas, Chris. We'll we'll take a little bit of time from Canusa Street. If people haven't binged the entire season, they can go back and relive the glory with us, and uh, and we'll keep we'll keep having these conversations on Canada U.S. issues. Occasionally, there will be uplifting ones. Sometimes there will be hard ones, but we'll keep at it for at least uh, for at least a while here.
0: Maybe, maybe at this rate we can get the Canadians to send us a tree for Canusa Street, so that uh, the people of our Canusa Village can uh, can enjoy it. Well, year.
1: actually, it's a great idea, and since we're digital, I think it'll be an NFT, and maybe we'll have a conversation about NFTs and Bitcoin and all of that, because there's a Canada-U.S. story there too, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> there always is. Canusa Street is always open for business.
1: That's exactly right. Thanks, my friend. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to you.
1: This podcast is brought to you by the Canadian American Business Council and the Wilson Center.
2: If you like this episode, help others find our show and give us a rating on Apple
1: Podcasts or Spotify.